Today we're going to be talking about being a stay-at-home mom. So get ready for some rants and rejoicing. Welcome back to Fashioned by Faith. I'm Lisa. I'm Rachel. Hope you guys are having an awesome week so far. Tell your friends about us. New episodes every Wednesday. Uh, visit fashionedbyfaith.com. Happy podcast day, Rachel. Yay, it's going to be a great time. <laughs> the title of today's episode is a response to a wonderful article, Why Women Love the Home But Not Being a Homemaker. I'm so excited to get into this. I know, what a good topic. <laughs> Be sure to follow us on the gram at Fashioned by Faith Podcast and find our group on Facebook by searching for Fashioned by Faith. So Rachel, how was your week? We have had a blessed week and honestly a very, I guess a very social week was full, filled with Lots of events and, you know, fun yeah. things. Oh. And one of my highlights was for Valentine's Day, which we've recently had now, we had my grandma over for a Valentine's Day dinner. Oh. And it was, I love every chance we have to have a fancy dinner. So mm. we set the table nicely mm. and we lit some candles mm. and we had fettuccine Alfredo and tried to make it kind of like an Italian restaurant. <laughs> and grandma came over and we did, um, she made this delicious cake and we did chocolate fondue. Oh, fun. So the kids just loved it. And mm. having that precious time with my grandma now that she lives so close to us oh. was a blast. Oh, that's wonderful. So we loved that. And then the other thing was a moment as a mother. <laughs> I just laughed to myself. My kids were playing and Leo, our younger guy, said he was he was making a big deal about how well he was doing at a game. And our older one, Vincent, said, "Don't boast." Oh! And I laughed to myself, and I kind of like shot a glance over to my husband because I said, well, "Someone's been listening." Oh, because yeah. kids don't use the word boast. The reason I say this is, the modern language would be more like, "Don't be mean," or you know, just um, casual language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But ever since I have discovered in Catholic moral teaching or Christian moral teaching about having the terminology to describe the moral life, it has made my life so much, I don't know, so much richer. So let me back up just a teeny tiny bit. I went to a women's conference a couple years ago and there was a nun who gave a talk about virtues and vices. And this should be very obvious, and if anyone is a cradle Catholic, this you would have heard this language your whole life. And I grew up Christian, but not Catholic. Uh-huh. So Catholics are really good at having the terminology for the discipline. So it's almost like the moral life is our job, and there are terms for the steps we need to take. So rather than having a vague feeling like, I might be doing the right thing or I vaguely might not be doing the right thing. We have names for it. Mm. what the virtues mm-hmm. are and what the vices are. So I've been using that terminology with my kids a lot because it's so specific. Like you're teaching them science. There's terminology, you know? Uh-huh. And so when they start to use the terminology, it makes me feel so excited. Like mm. they're getting it. They're, they're translating yes. the words into the actions. It's, so wow. that was when, kind of when, a highlight. When do you think you started this? Or, or can, is it hard to pinpoint the beginning? It's been a couple of years. I know since I like the old ways and there are books that use a lot of the old terminology for virtues and vices, probably since we started school with the kids, okay. like since kindergarten started okay. with Vincent, okay. I've really emphasized it more. Yeah. But it seems to be so fruitful. Wow. They have words for the actions that we all should or shouldn't do. Yes. I just yes. love it. Oh, that's beautiful. Do you have all of them written down in one place? I don't. I'm actually 
con- uh, continually mm. searching for books mm-hmm. that would explain them to children yes. better. So I don't have everything that I hope for, but I'm getting it little by little. Like there's a classic book called The Book of Virtues for Children, and it has stories Ooh. with some of the terminology. Um, we have some of it, yeah. Let me share like about, I don't know if it was two or three years. Well, no, it wasn't. Two, it was probably, it was a couple years ago, several years ago. I started... Um, a home curriculum yes. just for my own use in yes. virtues. Did I share this with you? I, re- I I so I know the curriculum, but I don't know if I ever looked at the virtues portion. Okay, so I just it, it wasn't a curriculum that I I purchased nothing like that. Yeah, it was just something I was trying together. to make at home, uh-huh. and um, yeah, and so I had a list of I don't know if it was like seventy yeah. some virtues, and then there's maps that you can draw to connect virtues that are similar. Yes, um, and then my goal with the children was each week we would have one virtue on display at the dining table, right? Yes. At breakfast, mm-hmm. lunch, whatever, to remind us to try to put that virtue. And it, gosh, it helps us as parents, right? It does. Well, honestly, some of the... I've learned the names of some of the virtues that I, I had never even heard of from you. I didn't even know they existed. Like what? Over time. Um, or even vices. So I'm on the hmm. spot here. I have I'm to sorry. Remember. No, no, that's okay. There um, are good ones. You're so right. When we talked about... Certain sins, like the sin of simony. We talked yes. about this. Um, there might have been some other ones where I thought, I've never even heard, heard that of term that. before. Yes, right. Um, so I can tell that you are up on your terminology. Oh, and I want to keep, it does help us too. Mm-hmm. So it really does. I'd love to look at that list. I need to get it out again. I yeah. have to admit, I just recently put it away, the uh-huh. binder, because we weren't like doing it. Um, but I'll, I'll get it out for you. It is yeah, cool. it's nice to have them all in one place. Yeah. Because again, the, I mean, we as humans can gobble that stuff up. Yeah. It gives us direction. I remember when I Googled the Virtues Project. Okay. Um, a website came up that listed a Fantastic. huge majority of, and it had a d- definition of each virtue right beside it. Wonderful. So. And it is amazing how closely they are related, like cousins and brothers and sister yeah. <laughs> um, virtues. Right. So there's just so much goodness there, but, um. I feel like I'm discovering it in this period of my life mm. in how powerful it is to give you a compass. Word. Yeah. Like, it's, it's more about the words, the yeah. words for mm-hmm. what feels right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And without those words, you are it's too nebulous. It's, yeah. You don't know what's going on. You're right, this vagueness. So, <laughs> so that was fun. Um, Very cool. As a low light, I'm having a little bit of an eczema flare-up, mm. and that makes it uncomfortable for... Um, getting ready in the morning, whatever, uncomfortable. Mm. I think I'm making my peace with the fact that I might just be kind of allergic to the area we live because I think the air quality from the farmland affects people's allergic response. Mm -hmm. So um, if we have any listeners out there who are struggling with chronic illness, Mm. I am praying for you as I am praying that I can accept, you know, my struggles and we can hang together knowing Mm. that we, we just do the best with what we've been given. Yeah, that's what we have to do. Yeah. Do you ever find that, I don't know if you read reports of the air quality in our area, but do you sometimes see a relationship? I wonder. I don't know if you... Yeah, I, I have over the past few years tried to see a correlation, mm. and I don't per se. Okay. I think it's more of a, in previous states I've lived in, mm. generally I was less allergic, and mm-hmm. now I'm just generally more allergic yeah. here. So, mm. so I have to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. I know I have a friend she lives in her house she has um an air purifier device yes. that is up in the ceiling and it runs constantly and it's taking impurities out of the air yeah hopefully she's seeing a good um yeah result from that yeah. and we can keep trying all the things you know a few years ago it was putting the 
um, dust mite covers on all of our mattresses and all mm. of our pillows. And so <laughs> there's so many steps a family can take. Yeah. So we keep on just trying to do what we can. Yeah. <laughs> but to hopefully not be burdened by these things. And, right. You know, mm. and still live a normal life. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> can you tell me about your week? Oh, we had a good week. It just went so fast. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. But it was a good week. And um, my low light would be, um, do you remember the house I was telling you about that we were going to go see? I do. I thought about that a lot. Oh, since thank you, you Rachel. Yeah. Thank you. Well, it is not for us. In fact, it already sold to someone else. Crazy. Yeah. So, but that's okay. We were, we're peaceful about it. You know, yes. God has something else planned for us. That's okay. And it's just so true in the house hunting process that there are so many ups and downs. There will yeah. be hopes will be raised, but yeah. then if it's not the right one, it's just like, okay, you gear up for the next It's a roller coaster. <laughs> oh, well, we'll definitely keep your whole family in prayers Thank as you. you, yeah, keep your eyes open. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to tell you too, I ordered a t-shirt from our merch line. You did? Yeah. So, but I'm going to wait until um, I see this prototype before I share the campaign with our gotcha. fashion fam here. But um, yeah, so I'm excited. It's going to, it should be here um, maybe in a week or two. Oh, very so cool. I'll, we'll just check it out see what the quality is like and if it seems like it's a good quality piece we'll share it with our listeners awesome love ho- that hopefully you'll get one too awesome <laughs> are you ready for the fashion confession rachel yes i am let's do this All right, Lisa, what's your fashion confession this week? (laughs) Okay, so my confession, this is the fashion of houses, not people. Yes. Okay? Makes sense why your brain is there, right? (laughs) Because, yeah, because homes can be fashionable too. Absolutely. Um, So I'm going to admit a pet peeve that I have, and I've had this for many years, but it just kind of resurfaced because, as you know, Michael and I are looking at homes, and um, I shared with him you know, a first world problem (laughs) that I think too many people, you know, they accept out of just routine and they shouldn't. So I'm going to complain and then I want to know if if you even fall into this. I don't know if you do or not. Okay. But here's what I am upset about. I think there are so many beautiful homes in this world with beautiful entrance doors. Yes. And so many thousands, millions, I don't know, people are not using their main entrance door. They are coming into their beautiful home through the, the garage. garage. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I just don't like that. And I and I think a lot of people do it. I mean, Michael said he's like, Well, that's how I grew up. My mom and I and my dad, you know, we all came through the garage and I know and I'm like, I know, but the main entrance, like, you know, really nobody yeah. uses. Even, you know, when, when you have guests over, you just come through the garage. And, oh wow, that's what I was gonna ask. Is yeah. it more the family doesn't use it day to day or nobody uses it's it? It's nobody. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so and even I here in our home, we come in the side door because uh-huh. again, it's closer to where our driveway is. Sure. Our, yeah. we have a detached garage, but you know, it's just it just makes more sense to come in anyway it just makes me sad that people in this world are not using their front doors it's almost like the front door is a fixture only and it's not a door an actual door you should be going through your front door people that's funny (laughs) enjoy it that is so funny you think about convenience and how people i I do see it like in our neighborhood i see it a lot people Mm -hmm. drive right into their garage and Uh then they get out and they go in (laughs) Um, I personally do not like parking in my garage okay. because we're blessed in the fact that we can park in our garage. We can fit two cars in there, but it's tight. And with the kids getting out of the car seats, I really much prefer space, even if it means scraping off snow from the car. <laughs> so we use our front door all the time. Yeah, so you park in the driveway we and do. then you walk to the... We okay. do. And Very I know cool. 
some people like the look of the cars tucked away and hidden in the garage mm. and it just you know kind of lends itself to the overall look I'm I I use we just use ours more I like yeah. to have the cars out just for utility yes. and all that so um but I, I that's a great point that you bring up you know this is this is how we enter into the house yeah, and enjoy that front door if you're lucky enough to have a beautiful house with sure. a beautiful front door go through it and also think about the entryway like mm-hmm. probably people put effort into their walkway like when uh-huh. they first walk into sure, the house flowers or mm-hmm. sidewalk. maybe a side table or something yeah, yeah. And, yeah and and outside the house too but I don't know about other people but when we go from our garage into the house we have to go through our like stuffy little laundry (laughs) so that's not beautiful (laughs) i know so we gotta we gotta enact some change in our culture rachel you gotta help me out with that (laughs) sure thing (laughs) oh so what's your confession this week all right one is a trend and one is my favorite thing Mm. the trend smacked me in the face uh this week we were, I went to story time at the library with the kids, and so I was surrounded by these beautiful moms, and one of them was wearing beautiful makeup. She looked amazing, and she reminded me of very much how I looked when I was working. I wore, you know, mineral foundation, really a dusty, pretty soft look. She looked mm. beautiful, mm. and then it. But I noticed her partly because she was very beautiful, and partly because no one else was wearing makeup, including <laughs> myself. So that's the trend: is just how free so many women in our area are not wearing makeup oh. going just by yeah. themselves because how many Natural. moms do you think were in that room like 10 or yeah 12? I mean probably 12 or okay. so mm-hmm. um and then I notice it like yesterday we were out with family it's just so common mm. um yes, maybe is. the older the kids get too or the more children there are in the mix mm-hmm. you know the more the makeup goes to the side yeah so I like this trend on the one hand because I am doing it also I don't wear much makeup at all and it's a, there's a freedom in it the only thing I miss is the fun of makeup makeup is yes. fun yes but it isn't a necessity mm-hmm. so that's what I know you're right I'm glad we have options as I, women you I know think so too. how fortunate we are oh we certainly are and probably <clears throat> the biggest gratitude is that we do have the option to not wear makeup and we're accepted we don't have to right be all we don't up have that way. to can I just share something that makes me think of uh, it's sort of similar something I'm noticing is you know, when I was younger, yeah. uh, myself and my friends, when we when we would post images on social media, mm-hmm. we I think we cared more about how we looked. Oh, sure, yeah. Okay, and today, because of children, the children that are in our lives that we love so dearly, I am seeing people pose with their kids with these just joyful faces yes. that are not posed in any yes. way. They, it's the kind of faces that we. the last time we wore these were back when we, we were kids children. ourselves, yeah. ourselves, right? Yeah. And so it's just delightful to be scrolling through my social media and I see moms and dads, big smiles. Who cares what they look like? Yes. They're just so proud to be standing next <laughs> yes. to their child. Yes. And I am grateful that we are, you know. I love that. Yeah, it's it's thanks to children that it, we owe that. You you're know? so right, and it brings a genuine quality, our true selves, out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, when you're posing to look good on social media, which we've all been there, um, <laughs> it isn't. It is you, but it's it's a persona. Yeah. And now this is the true family, the true selves. Mm-hmm. So yeah. What a, what a joy! In that I love that. <laughs> so that's great. The other thing I wanted to sh- talk to you about is my new harem pants. So I'm laughing at myself because this is hilarious. Are they the ones you're wearing? Yes. Okay, all right, yeah, tell me up. all about them. I okay. loved them as soon as you walked in. When I think harem <laughs> pants, I think of, you know, Aladdin, what Jasmine wore, you oh. know, where they're really puffed out yes. in the leg and then really tight at the ankle. Yes. These are 
puffed out pants, but they're not really tight oh. in the ankle. They're yeah. a little more trouser-like. Mm-hmm. There's all this extra space here. Yeah. What I love about them is they're nice and tight in the waist. So you get that defined waist. You have um, elastic waistband. Yes, nice and thick. Yeah, it's elastic yeah. and thick. They have pockets. They are made out of a cotton linen blend, which I love. I can tell. <laughs> and they're very voluminous. Yeah. So they're like a trouser, but I'm not quite ready to go to a classic trouser because since I'm... I'm just not ready because I did that like recently enough that I don't want to do the full trouser. So this feels kind of different. How do you define a trouser though? Meaning a wide leg trouser that continues to be wide at the bottom. Okay. And I wore that a lot in my working years. Gotcha. And um, Like black pants usually? Yeah, like okay. they could be wool, they could be black. Okay. Wide leg. And okay. I know, I, I laugh at myself, I move so slowly in fashion, even if it is coming back, which it is, trousers are definitely coming back. I'm just not ready to do it again. <laughs> so this is a compromise for me. Yeah. Because the leg is shaped differently near the ankle. There's a femininity to the silhouette as well. Can you stand up one more time? Sure. Because And just stand back for a little bit. Um, when you have, yeah, see there's, it. yeah, they kind of look like, almost like a skirt, a yes. long skirt. Right. Because they're balloons. Yep. But then... Obviously, they're they're these fun pants, and so then that's very functional, <laughs> and I can run around and do whatever. And, yeah, um, I'm loving them. They're so comfortable. Right. <laughs> so, uh, and they're them. a beautiful gray color too, which is nice. a good neutral. Yes, and neutrals are absolutely my favorite right now. When I talked about minimalist style clothes a couple episodes ago, it occurred to me. Also, the reason I gravitate toward this is because it is not specific to a time period. It is mm. not specific to a trend. You can wear it whenever. And you look, right. the only people you look like are the people who are dressing this way. Yeah. But since I am not a religious sister, for instance, and I'm not wearing a habit, I like the idea of having clothes that are so neutral that I can be, if I'm trying to be simple in my spirit, mm. I can wear clothes that are simple year after year mm. and it doesn't matter with with the trends and the tides of fashion right so there's um there's almost a detachment from trends in being able to wear clothes like this i guess right you're right so these are my fun pants I that love i wanted them. to share did Thanks. you have to like hunt for them or i did a little bit um especially with the material material i was looking for but i found them on amazon on amazon yes amazing of all places wow <laughs> yeah and they have free returns it took me three tries to get the, the right size. The right size. Oh. So they were free returns, thank oh, goodness. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. And may I ask how pricey they were? Or? Not, well, I would say in between. Okay. They were, I'm trying to remember, I think they were $40. Okay. So mm-hmm. that's sort of, for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> in my budget, that's sort of in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But because it's linen and cotton, I was yeah. willing to pay the price. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah they're so cute. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh, so, um... Did, oh, did you have anything else that no, you want to share? that's good. Okay, okay. Can I just go into um, a little bit of... So you remember the last episode I yes. did on the uh-huh. nine spiritual steps? Oh, whatever, I remember it. Trust me. I loved it. <laughs> um, so I went to my appointment. Mm-hmm. And I'll just share with our listeners, it was actually my second mammogram. You know, I went to my first mammogram, and they found a little spot that they wanted to look at more. So thank you for your prayers. I I just thank everyone for their prayers, and um, thankfully I have good news. Like, they looked, and it was okay. Praise God. But I I just want to share with you, Rachel, that, oh my goodness, did I experience something different. Because this was my second time going back, and I knew... The faces of the people I was going to encounter. Yes. I knew the hallways I was going to walk down. I knew the room and the machinery that I was going to see. Everything was the same. 
all that familiarity that I had, yes. the fear part of my brain must not have been triggered wow. because I had zero pain when wow. the mammogram was done. I had no headache afterwards. Wow. Isn't that Un- and this is in contrast, me. you know, to the first experience. Where I was definitely in pain and I had raging headache afterwards. Right. So all the same squeezing, wow. same machine, everything. It was like, you know, my kids were just piled on top of me. And, right. you know, we're just like, um, it's slightly uncomfortable, but no pain. Yeah, right. Like, how could the pain be completely absent? I do find that to be mysterious. I yeah. mean, you're so right about the brain. Certain other areas of your brain were being triggered let's say because maybe you were getting comfort mm. from the nurse or um you were praying for me you know there were, there were prayers and graces were flooded your way mm. and also i i was so struck by what you said about telling your brain you will not be scared mm. and it's almost like you prepared yourself so well and maybe mm. it really did work for you because oh. you had said i do not permit or i do not allow these scary thoughts to yeah, be in my brain yeah. I heard a psychologist once describe that same technique as thought stopping, where you could say, stop it. I'm not going to think this way. And I didn't love the way she worded it because it sounded mean. Who wants to be mean to themselves? Stop it. Right. That does. What I loved about what you said was that it was. I do not authorize. I do not Mm -hmm. authorize. Mm -hmm. I have used that technique since then for something else. I don't remember. I was afraid of something and I said, I'm going to try this. And it really I feel like it really works oh good or you really can say to yourself mm-hmm. I am in control of my thoughts mm-hmm. and I'm not going to allow yes. this and so you did that you but, we were praying you were praying thank and you. I think you must have been flooded with grace yeah you know I, I was only I, could, I didn't go so far as to consider that maybe the lack of pain was from the techniques that I tried instead I just thought it was from the familiarity of sure, returning to yeah. the same place but um I have you know woken up from nightmares mm-hmm. and have said Oh, I do not authorize these thoughts. I do not want to think this. And very quickly, um, rather than kind of like feeling the residual effects of the nightmare, it was Mm -hmm. like gone and I could fall back asleep. So that was was very helpful as well. That's incredible. I think for me, in terms of us having command over our minds, that's one of the most powerful tips that I have heard. Mm -hmm. I hope that anyone who's listening can give that a try because we do... We are subject to fearful things and, mm-hmm. and things that scare us and anxieties, mm-hmm. but we have more control, I guess, than we think we do. Probably. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're yeah. right. So, yeah, I did forget to look at the doctor's hands when I was okay. there. I forgot that step, but I, I it was it was helpful to look around and notice the people that were around me more yes. so than before. Because usually if I go to a doctor's appointment, I'm so focused on myself. Yeah, naturally. Right? Right. And I think everybody else that's there knows what they're doing, and I just feel bad about myself. Right. But instead this time, I really looked outside of myself. And, for instance, I noticed the receptionist. She was out of breath. Um, oh. Her computer wasn't working. Oh, you know, And yeah. so I just started praying for her. And. And, and, you know, anyway, and then I just noticed so many people that were in the waiting room. There was a lot. I was in two different waiting rooms. Gotcha. There was a woman with her eyes closed. That's how she was dealing with the stress, you know. There was another woman who was, you know, she had her earbuds in and her eyes were closed. She was listening to something. And I thought, oh, I hope she's going to listen to my podcast someday. right. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so just praying and focusing on the behavior and the feelings of other people kind of got me out of myself. Yes. And I feel that day I... I had the charism of joy, so I'm very grateful. Yeah, wonderful. So, thanks for letting me share that. Definitely. And also just using the word charism, that was another thing that stuck out to me in the episode, mm-hmm. um, especially being a uh, growing up Protestant, not mm-hmm. a word that we heard a lot and used a lot, but I think 
Um, it's such a beautiful word, and yes, it really it points to the gift given that day. It yeah. could be the calling or the gift that God gives you or That's is a calling you to accept, it. maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, I really liked uh, meditating on, yeah, what are the charisms that yeah. God is giving us that day? That day, right. Very cool. <laughs> um, so I have a question from one of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Shall we uh, do this one now? Yeah, we sure. got so many great questions from so many people, so we'll try to do one per episode. Great. It's going to take us a long time to get through all the questions. But uh, this question is from a man named Don. So he says, um, or he asks, what are some Catholic devotions that you take part in as a family that help you grow closer to God? Yes. Oh, such a good question and also a wonderful thing to learn from other families because mm. there are so many good ideas about how people do these devotions. Yeah. In our house, the biggest one we do with our kids is reading scripture through Bible stories. Mm-hmm. We have a book that I grew up on. Also, it's this big, white Bible story book, very classic, um, with pictures, <laughs> and it is unbelievable. I remember it for myself, but seeing it in my kids, the way that they gravitate toward these epic stories, because we're in the Old Testament right mm-hmm. now, and my husband reads to them, the way they bond over that, the way that the my boys are so animated by, you know, David and Goliath, mm-hmm. or, or these stories and, and bravery and trusting mm-hmm. God and good overcoming evil and all this stuff yes. so that's very powerful and then in prayer time we say you know the our father the hail mary and i've also started um saying the glory be every night and making sure to fit that into which is good preparation for when we eventually as a family move more into doing um the rosary together mm-hmm. it's like getting the, the pieces in place so when you say the glory be are you saying the children are saying it we say it i say together. it to them oh okay. yeah so like They'll listen. They'll yeah. be in their beds. Yes. And then either Andrew or I will say the prayers. And I've started introducing the glory be in there because I thought um, this will be really good. Uh, the repetition helps them to memorize it. Yes. And sure. we, we start now. Yes. Yeah. That's so cool. I uh, We are so grateful that we've um, been doing the daily rosary as a family, which Love I'm grateful that. for. And, you know, it kind of just sprung forth... Um, well, from obviously the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Our Lady. But um, our children since they've ever come into our lives here, um, always love our close proximity as they're falling asleep. I don't know if your kids are like this. Oh, they are. Okay, so it's like, you know, when we put them into bed, you know, they don't want us leaving right away. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course we scratch their back and whatever. But even even as they're falling asleep, they just want us close by. And so we have found a solution for that has been for my husband and I, you know, after we're done doing some back scratching, whatever, to be in the hallway between their two bedrooms. And then we start prayer. And so the children are listening to the prayers as they're falling asleep. And by the time it takes us to do the rosary, they're asleep then. And so it was a very peaceful kind of way for them to transition into sleep. Before we had this routine, you know, we would put them to bed and we'd say it's time to go to bed now we're closing your door you know, right we, good night you know and it was it was it was hard on them and we would walk away and try to do other things in the house but then sometimes they'd come out mommy I you know I want a glass of water or whatever which right. is fine we still have that but the tr- it's just all a lot smoother and even if we're praying the rosary and somebody does need to go to the bathroom or get a drink of water they can do those things quietly they can tiptoe around sure. us and the feel is still there of, mm-hmm. of you know this you know we're praying as a family 
Anyway, and so you see this adorable little leather book that I, I do, have? I do, yes. Yep. <laughs> so this book was something that I started in 2010, and it begins with a handwritten novena, actually, to St. Philomena. Mm. But then, and, I, and then I have a wonderful story about that and how it helped me with my meeting my husband and realizing it was him and so on. But long story short, this little novena book has sat for a long time not being used. And then the other day I thought, you know, I would love to make a kind of visual, photograph-heavy prayer book for our children so that they can lead the rosary and they can see the pictures of Our Lady and Our Lord, um, the meditations in each mystery, but also the faces of the people that we are praying for. Oh, right. Right? Mm -hmm. And so I needed, I kind of plotted out how many prayers there were, and I figured out I needed about 111 pages. Okay. So I went onto Amazon, I thought, I want a leather book with about 111 pages. Couldn't find anything I liked. And then Rachel, guess what? I found this little prayer book from 2010. That you already had. That I already Uh had. And I thought, well, let me just count how many pages (laughs) happened to be left. It was exactly 111. No. Oh my So I was like, word. oh my gosh, okay, this is it. That's wild. So anyway, but if you don't mind me just quick showing you here. Sure. So, you know, so anyway, the children can each like help us start the rosary. Uh-huh. Um, and we just have a picture to remind them of the prayer that we need to say. Yes. And sometimes maybe the first um, words of the prayer will be there. And then the oh. children, they'll start the prayer and we'll help finish it or, or right whatever. and I love how the pictures are the prompt then they'll yes, recognize it yes, yes. so usually oh, wow. um, Vera now will do our first decade oh. and you know she just sees the picture here of Jesus and she'll say our father and then the rest of us chime in with the rest right. of the prayer to help oh. her and um, and then oh, Liam does these pictures. Oh. <laughs> Liam does the second um, decade and then that leaves Michael and I to finish the remaining three, and right. the time ends up just flying by. So, and do you do this version um, every night at night at bedtime, or is this the one, or is it a different version that you do during the day when it's not bedtime? Oh, this is the only one we do. Okay, so yes. they do participate. Yes, unless it's late and they're very right. tired, then we just tell them get in bed, and we will be the ones that right. read it. Gotcha. But a lot of times they're interested Aww. in helping lead. And do they do it from their beds too? No, in this case they're in the hallway Got with it. us, okay, uh, with a little book. And then when when they're done with their little decade, then, then they go, they go into, into their room. Aww. Yeah, I think so. the notion of having hearing your parents' voices praying and falling asleep to that is one of the most peaceful things Aww. you could give your child. I hope honestly. so. <laughs> I mean. What better memory than that? I love that so much. Yeah. So, Don, thank you for the great question. That was that was really fun. Awesome. If anybody else has any other questions they want to ask us, please put it in the Fashioned by Faith um, Facebook group. That would be awesome. So, Rachel, we have a great new topic to discuss today. I know. I'm pumped about this topic. Yeah. Let's get into it. Sounds good. <laughs> So today we're going to be talking about, we're going to be reacting to an article called Why Women Love the Home But Not Being a Homemaker. So let me just give you guys a little background story here. So back in 2015, I was interviewed by a Catholic author, keynote speaker, homeschooling slash catechist leader. Her name is Lisa Maladnik, and she has a podcast called Homeschooling Saints. Uh, She is a Catholic life coach, TV host, 
best-selling author, and she's an instructor at the Homeschool Connection. And um, anyway, her book is called True Radiance, Finding Grace in the Second Half of Life. And I just want to read the back of the book to you. Um, It's beautiful. The promise of true radiance is simple. Prayerful, faith-filled women become more beautiful as they age, not less. As a woman matures spiritually, um, she grows in wisdom and holiness. She increasingly reflects a radiant inner beauty that touches others in countless ways. If you've ever felt negative about the onset of middle age with its array of physical and psychological challenges, this book can help you redefine your perception of aging. Along the way, you'll gain a greater understanding of the possibilities for relevance, value, and contribution waiting to be discovered. Positive, personal, and practical advice from fellow traveler Lisa Maladnik will inspire and motivate you to thrive in the second half of life inspiring oh, isn't that, that so cool mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. so I got to speak with Lisa again recently we, we chatted on the phone we had so much fun oh. I think I could talk to her for hours wow. um, but anyway she introduced me to Dr. Carrie Gress mm-hmm. now she is the author and curator of theologyofhome.com mm-hmm. and definitely check her out she is so cool she's an amazing woman um, she's giving glory to God and she's encouraging women in this journey of faith and so Dr. Carrie Gress recently wrote um, an article for The Federalist, and again, it is called Why Women Love the Home But Not Being a Homemaker. So that's what we're going to talk about today, but I, I want to start off with a little bit of a disclaimer here, mm-hmm. Rachel, for us and for our listeners. As we talk here, I just want to say, you know, not being a stay-at-home mom you don't have to be a stay-at-home mom, in other words, to be a good mom. No. There, there, right? There are women out there who are juggling it all, who are going to work every single day. They are hustling, and they are making it. They're making a difference for their family. They're fantastic mothers. They're bonded with their children. So as we speak on all of this today, I don't want anybody to feel that they are any less of a mom if, if they choose to work or if their circumstances are such that they have to work outside right. of the home. Right? Absolutely. I feel strongly about that. Yes. The same heart, if a, especially if a woman has made the change from one world to the other, from working and then staying at home or vice versa, you're the same person. You have the same fire in your mm. heart to raise your family right. Yeah. So we totally recognize that, no matter yeah. your circumstances with your family. That's right. That's right. And and God always meets us where we are, and, yes. and we hopefully are all trying our best with whatever our circumstances Absolutely. are. Absolutely. So anyway, so Rachel, you are a stay-at-home mom. I, before we get into this article, I want to hear, what are your thoughts on being a stay-at-home mom yeah. do you like it were there any surprises yeah share with us about that I started out my motherhood working I had one kid in daycare and then actually no two kids in daycare okay and then I made the decision eventually with my husband to be a stay-at-home mom and I am surprised not now but then I was surprised that I was headed in that direction because when I started motherhood I thought I love doing all the things. I love having the challenges of work. I love having my children. I love them fiercely. I love raising them. I love all this variety. However, something happened the more, you know, once we got to our second child and life just got busier, I just, something switched inside of my heart where I felt 
the speed of life, the pace of life was too harried. Mm. Getting out the door was too stressful. It mm. was not reflecting well. I was not being as peaceful and calm as of a mom as I could have been getting everybody out the door on time to daycare. Mm. And so I would say being a stay-at-home mom, the biggest thing that comes to my mind is I'm where I'm supposed to be. Mm. It is not as glamorous, quote-unquote glamorous, as what I was used to. There's less variety, and we're going to talk about some of that today. But I feel so strongly I am exactly where God wants me to be. Mm, praise God. Yeah. Yeah. What Sometimes would you it say? takes a long time to get there. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, you know, I, I feel very grateful, very thankful to be a stay-at-home mom. It was a dream that I always hoped for. My mom and dad always encouraged me to aim for that, if possible. That was, you know, the goal. And so I, you know, my mother was a stay-at-home mom, so I kind of wanted to do the same thing. And I just was hoping and praying. I, you know, when when people say, "Oh, it's great that you're stay-at-home, a stay-at-home mom," I try not to take that as a compliment for myself hmm. because I think, you know, I I'm just grateful. I it's you know this could end tomorrow right, because circumstances right. could change tomorrow. Sure. But for right now, praise be to God, I'm so thankful to be home with my kids. But right. that is not. You know, I don't get to take credit for that. I'm just, I'm just grateful. You're living what God has put before you as what feels like the right thing to do. Yeah, right and now. just grateful circumstances have yeah. been the way they are, and so my whole life is really, truly a prayer of thanksgiving. Yes. Um, but anyway, so it, it was a lifelong dream. I hoped that I could be a stay-at-home mom someday, but. Um, anyway, then after becoming a stay-at-home mom, I had been a teacher, mm-hmm. um, seventh grade math. It was so much fun, but I, you know, did give that up for being a stay-at-home mom. And what I didn't anticipate maybe was the isolation yes. that being mm-hmm. a stay-at-home mom brings. Yes. Um, and yet there's this dichotomy because even though I might experience isolation, I also don't want to run out there and... and socialize either probably because my plate is so full I'm doing so much you know being as a mother right right so (laughs) it's like you you might feel isolated but you also don't have the energy to go out there and have fun and nor the time and I even have understood about myself now as a mother that I am not I don't gravitate toward play dates they're not always peaceful for me Mm mm-hmm and the reason is because when there's a play date, you know, you're not really interacting with your children as much because there's other people, blah, blah, blah. And then um, I maybe don't get to enjoy my friendships as much because I'm still in mom, mom mode, mode, if that sort of makes sense. It does. So I've come to learn about myself that what feeds me best is when I'm with my children to be 100% yeah. interacting with them, be as present as I possibly sure. can be. And I'm not perfect at that, especially with, you know, text messages coming into of my course. phone. I, yeah. I but I'm working on being as present as I can be. Right. And then for me too, I find good balance if it can happen to have one-on-one time with a friend, just like right now, you right. know, with you, Rachel, being here recording the podcast. Yes. So, yeah, so that's that was um, what I didn't anticipate was that isolation. Um, the other thing that I maybe didn't anticipate or maybe I sort of thought it could happen is I feel like there's pressure put on women that are stay-at-home moms to have some some sort of side hustle mm. some other way that you're making your money that that there's no way that you could spend all of your time just caring for your kids there must be more that you should if you're great you should be able to do more than just care for your kids oh, yes. and so I have noticed most of my friends that are mothers and are staying home with their children also try to do a side hustle as mm-hmm. well and and I and and it's great if you're passionate and you're excited about that and you can do it but sometimes I think like 
how much is it an expectation that we're putting on ourselves when maybe we shouldn't? When we don't need to. Yeah. Yes. And I do think that is going to dovetail so nicely into this article Mm -hmm. because we're going to get into a little bit of how work, being um, a stay-at-home mom, how the work has changed. Yeah. How much time it takes, what the content, what it is, has changed. And so (laughs) um, that is a surprise as well that the very, I'll put it this way, the quality of the work itself, taking care of your kids, taking care of your house, taking care of the things in your house, where a long time ago it might have looked one way, like it was a full-time job. Yeah. It seems like it has the flavor of like you do what you have to do and then you make time for your side hustle, for your part-time job or whatever. Or not that people do this, but that's what society makes mm. it seem like it should be. Mm-hmm. Whereas what would it look like if homemaking we did think of it so much as the job and the quality of our work and all that we poured ourselves into it if that if that was satisfying if that was enough yeah. so anyway we'll get it into it be, yeah. yeah 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 but do we have to be divided does society say this isn't enough yeah i think they do unfortunately yeah which is so sad yeah so let's go through the article together, yeah. and and then as we, I have like little notes written in, uh-huh, and yeah. I have things underlined and starred. <laughs> um, I I thought it was interesting how um, there's this. She she makes the point that there's a rise in the domestic arts, uh-huh. um, and and you know what? I think Instagram is really propelling that, don't you oh, think? Oh, I'm sure. Instagram, <laughs> like all social media, people are sharing. The projects that they're doing, you yeah. see crafting as one tiny example. Yes. Crafting has yes. just exploded. Yeah. I don't know if you see it with your friends. Mm-hmm. I have friends who do all sorts of crafting, crocheting. That's beautiful. Quilling. Yeah. She talked about quilling in the article. Mm-hmm. Um, this is having a resurgence right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and on my Instagram, you know, my Instagram stories and whatnot, yeah. I'm seeing people baking with their kids. And, yes. You know. But part of me does wonder, like, how much of that is just being showy? Uh-huh. And, like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm baking, so I better make sure this gets documented <laughs> so that everybody knows I'm doing it. Um, yeah, yeah social media life, like, that level, and then there's, yeah. like, the day-to-day stuff that you True. don't put online. There's that level. And so Dr. Gress makes this point that, you know, why are we seeing this rise in the domestic arts? Um, and yet we're not seeing an equal rise in our appreciation um, from homemaking necessarily, right? Which is interesting. Like that word homemaking. Yeah. Like, does anyone love? First of all, does anyone use the word homemaking? And secondly, does anyone take pride in homemaking anymore? I know that's something so interesting because I don't know about you, but all my friends use the expression "stay-at-home mom." Totally. We've They're gotten not, yeah as far away from these old-fashioned terms as we can because right. of those connotations. Yes. Homemaking. I don't know about you, but what comes to mind for me is <clears throat> that's all a woman could do. It was the only job she could have. So she took pride in it, obviously, mm-hmm. but society might have thought she did the best with what she had. Oh, homemaking, but the really good juicy stuff is out in the world. That's mm-hmm. what I think of when I yeah. think of the connotations around the word homemaking. Right. But we're going to talk about how that's not... That's not all that homemaking is. No, no. And I need, I feel I need to do a better job at making that restful home aesthetic. Yes. You know, this is not, this shouldn't just be a landing spot for quick drop things off and run out the door. I have so much work to do to improve as a person, yeah. to make my home more of a sanctuary. Yes. And as do I, this is, um, this idea is convicting mm-hmm. to me anyway, also, <laughs> um, just how what the difference was in the old days, the thought of what a home would be, yes. what you would put into a home 
and into your kids to make it be a peaceful sanctuary. Right. So Dr. Carrie Grass is saying here, you know, why is this? Maybe we are inadvertently seeking the comfort that's kind of, you know, the comforts of home because maybe that was denied to us when we were little. Oh, sure. um, yeah. Or maybe it's just an acknowledgement that convenience has come with a cost. But she says, either way, we seem to like the trappings of what homemakers do without the actual daily grind of making a home for others. Which is intense. <laughs> I thought about what popped into my mind was, it's true, we want the glamorous parts of it. We want the fun parts. I thought about, like, you see Rosie the Riveter, and you've got that image in your head, and she wears her kerchief on her head. Women wore those in the past because they were working really hard and didn't want to get their hair dirty. Yes. And now we want the trappings. We want the yeah. fashion of it. <laughs> or like I have my T-strap yes. heels mm. that are dancing shoes, but I'm not a dancer. I don't do the hard work. So that's common today, I think. We want the trappings without the hard work yeah. in, in culture. I get so inspired by those like lightweight things, though. Like, for me, I, I know this is so shallow, but yes, if I tied on a, handker- a kerchief or whatever over my hair... It would inspire me to roll up my yeah. oh, sleeves sure. and start to get to work, but but I see hear that's you. great. It can it can go both ways. Like putting on an apron can make yeah. us want to work harder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, did you see the part of the article where they say the three common elements to evaluate vocational happiness? Yes. Can mm-hmm. I read those questions to you? Please do. And and if I go ahead and there's something you want to comment on that you know we've passed, sure. just just jump in at okay. any point. Um, so one of the questions is, am I respected and known in my job? Mm-hmm. Question two, do I know why my job matters? And question three, am I progressing in my work? And is there a measure for this progress? And how interesting to take these same questions and apply them to being a stay-at-home mom or homemaking, which is not what you think of as the traditional job. Right, and that's that's so cool. So she says, what happens when we apply these questions to homemakers? Yeah. Um, and that respected portion is hard because... Yeah, am I respected in my job? Right, like, you know, maybe we're looking for that affirmation from our husbands, right, that we're Absolutely. doing good. But they're out, they're working. They're not here to pat us on the back. No. And when they get home, they're exhausted. <laughs> right, there's not a lot of time for that, nor have no. they seen all the details. There's right. a lot that you do as a stay-at-home mom that goes unseen. Yes. A lot, actually. And if everything is orderly to the best of your ability, that's seen, but it almost can just seem like, well, yeah, that's what you would hope it would be. So um, there's a lot of quiet, behind-the-scenes work happening. When I switched from working, my husband and I worked for the same company, and then, well, you know, Andrew, but for our listeners, Mm -hmm. and then when I started staying home, it wasn't because of how he was acting, but I felt an internal turmoil because we had been so equal at work and he saw the work I did. Mm. And then I was home having like mess, messed up hair when he'd get home and like mm. boogers on me and stuff <laughs> from the kids. Um, and just wondering like, I feel smaller. Mm-hmm. And yet, and yet there's an and yet. The importance of the work we come to find over time is so deep. It goes so far. What we're yeah. doing is so much deeper than just these menial tasks that mm-hmm. we're doing. You're right. Day, you're you know? right. It takes on the appearance of menial tasks, but really it is so much So deeper. much more important. It's a corporal work of mercy. Oh, right? for our children, for yes. our whole family. It's mm-hmm. so true. Mm-hmm. But yes, if we think, who's really seeing it? So we kind of get used to not being seen, mm-hmm. <laughs> in mm-hmm. a sense. We see each other. Other moms see each other. or But maybe not as often as we wish. Yeah, That's true. We yeah. might 
psychologically see each other <laughs> and recognize, I know what you're going through, mm-hmm. but we might still be isolated throughout right. the day right. on a given day. And it's not like you're going to get that, you know, when I was teaching, I would get observations occasionally and then right. I would get a report on how well I did or whatever, you know, and you don't get any of that kind of feedback. No. You know, when you're, you're a stay-at-home mom. Right. You don't. Your measurement is, is just gut feel. That's true. How you're doing is gut feel. Yeah. Yeah. Also, um... She talked about this feeling of isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're saying it's because nobody's seeing us. It's also because being a stay-at-home mom isn't the majority. So mm. you're not canning foods together. You're not quilting together. You're yeah. not doing things together that women used to do. Oh, true. Because yeah. Because n- nobody needs to do the jobs together. Yeah. They are inside your house. Right. And there aren't as many kids running around in the neighborhoods, et cetera. You're right. So society has changed, therefore, making it feel more lonely. Yes. Because it's not, everyone is, like, alone together. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. And then sometimes we reach out to social media to, to find that sense of Often we communication yep. or whatever. And then that's also so unfulfilling because you're staring at a computer screen. Right. You know? Right. Um, and distracted from your kids. Yes. Yep. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the questions she asks is, you know, do mothers know that their job is important? You know, so we undervalue, I think, ourselves so often. I think we do. She makes the really compelling point that um, radical feminism has blatantly told us no. Mm. Being a stay-at-home mom is not valuable. That if you spend your whole life devoted to your family and your kids, or at least you know the time when they're home or whatever, that that's you're wasting your talents. Oh, yeah. And that's so. That's a lie. That's offensive too. It is. It is. <laughs> it's tragic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I can't help but say, yeah, little bits of culture have definitely influenced my thinking over sure. time. And mm-hmm. there's a we can have an awakening to the true value of devoting yourself to your family. You're right. Um, but we have to um, we have to deprogram our thinking. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes when I became a stay-at-home mom, uh, a homemaker. Let's hope that's the goal. Homemaker. I'm going to start using that word. Yeah, let's reclaim that word. <laughs> yeah. um, do you want to know what particular event I looked forward to the most? This is so yeah. goofy. I might have even told you about this over the summer. I can't remember. Okay, just bear with me. I could not wait for... Only our son is in school right now. Our daughter, she goes to preschool and they don't have lunch there. But um, our son, you know, packs his lunch. I couldn't wait for the day that he forgot to pack his lunch. Uh- so I couldn't wait for that time when I could be the hero that shows up with the late lunchbox before, you know, before yes. lunchtime. I, I guess because I have memories as a child um, forgetting my lunch. And when you're a kid, that's a big deal. Yes. It's like, oh, oh my yeah. gosh, I forgot my lunch. What is going to happen today? I'm going to starve today. Right? Yeah. And then when, when you know that you can call your mom and mom will bring the lunch to you, it just, it feels good. And I, I remember when I was a kid, I felt such comfort in knowing that I knew where my mom was. Oh, yeah. I knew she was home, you know? Absolutely. And she could come pick me up if she needed to, if I needed her to. So, anyway. Absolutely. Can we just emphasize psychologically and spiritually what it means to a child to know that their parents will take care of them and will be there for them? Mm. My mom stayed home with us. I have four siblings. And her devotion to us, I mean, was just incredible and exactly what we needed to feel safe yeah and so now I translated that to my kids and I do think about my working years and how I felt at the time like oh yeah this is great we're doing all the things but yeah. right now I'm just saying no my my boys is such a gift for them to know like you said where I am that I'm yes. going to be there for them whatever yes. they need yes. that it isn't 
depleting myself. Oh, what a shame. It is giving to them something mm-hmm. that is so important for kids, mm-hmm. a feeling of love and safety. Right. And that hopefully is going to come back to us too when we're old and gray. Oh, yeah. That I connection hope, yeah. that our children, you know, will hopefully be there for us too That's when right. we are... You know, yeah. when, right, yeah. when we need them in a sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I do want to say, I did get that phone call. I'm so lucky. I, I felt so lucky. It was Liam's kindergarten year. Aww. I got the call. Um, and actually, it was him on the phone because the teacher oh, let sweet. him use his And Aww. he's like, Mommy, I forgot my lunch. And I was like, Yeah. yeah. And I said, Don't worry. for this day. Yeah. I was like, You're right, honey. I'm so sorry. And I went home and I packed it. And then I Aww. very excitedly, very proudly walked into the school with, with his lunch. That is the story. It is. It's funny how you just have certain things that like become important to you, whatever. (laughs) But um, did you notice how she spoke about, you know, she asked the question, does a stay-at-home mom feel like she is progressing in some area? And does she have a way to measure that? Of the entire thing, that really jumped out at me um, because... I need to work at being a better homemaker to Mm. make this place a sanctuary of rest and and enjoyment. And and how do I get to that? Well, I first need to identify my problem areas. Yes. And then I need to suggest some solutions. And then I need to try it and I need to test it out. And you know what's so crazy, Rachel? I never thought about doing that being a, a homemaker. Yes. I would do that for sure professionally, instantly, right? Absolutely. If I was teaching yes. and I couldn't get a concept through or, you know, maybe a child, some of my classroom management, whatever I needed to improve, I would immediately start, you know, coming up with solutions, trying things out, measuring it, restarting. But why not with my home Absolutely. and the routines here? I had a, a light bulb go off for me a few years ago when I was looking at some very old recipe books that a great aunt had passed on to us and I could not believe how much emphasis there was on excellence in all the duties that a wife would have in the home so it was things like having a chart for um, determining the interest rate let's say let's say she was doing finances and I can't even remember let's say Mm. it was um, maybe you're gonna purchase a new car and you were trying to determine how much it would cost over so much time with the interest rate. Mm -hmm. These are things that today it almost seems like we might say, oh, well, you are good at math, but maybe someone would say, well, I'll look it up or I don't know, I'm not good at math. Here, I I was just so struck by how Mm. every element of homemaking, including the finances, including Mm. the level, the degree of the excellence of your math Mm. was part of homemaking. There was pride everywhere. Mm. It was in how efficient you were with your laundry. Mm. It was in how efficient you were and how delicious your meals were. It was in your finances. It was all the areas. And it put me to shame because it is common in our culture to have our homes be a dropping place. Like, Mm. whatever, as long as it's kind of tidy and as long as kids have clothes on, (laughs) you hear the phrase a lot, well, I kept my kids alive today. You know, we joke that way as moms. But Mm. it was a totally different way of thinking, Mm. a level of excellence in Mm -hmm. every area. Mm -hmm. And so the homemakers were the ones that were made fun of, maybe, or by today's standards were jeered at, like, oh, only a homemaker. But they, I'll compare them to myself, they were, like, head and shoulders above where I am with their excellence in all the areas. So I love what you're saying. I'm thinking the same thing. There's a ton of work to do to, yeah. to, to do homemaking, you know, as a, like a profession to do a good job. Yeah. There's an art and a science to it. And somehow we have to make sure that we don't need those exterior praises, right? right? We're right. not going to get them anyway because we're kind of isolated here, but, but we need to 
be satisfied in our own. This is true. What we do, you know. Yeah, yeah. and she made the comparison to a trade or a profession such as a tailor. A tailor would have younger people come in. They would be apprentices. Mm -hmm. And not only would they learn from the tailor, but they would get the satisfaction of doing a really good job and learning virtue over time. That if we think of homemaking as this... Mm, yeah, this profession that we will get internal satisfaction by yeah. a job really well done. Yeah, yes. And that's cool because what if, like, I can't do a part-time job right now. It's just not really fitting in with our family, and mm-hmm. I really want to be devoted to the kids if I'm going to be home. Yeah. So it gives me somewhere to go yeah. with my desires energy and, and my energy. And your talents. To do something that yes. is not too menial. I do want to say the other thing that she said Jobs have changed. In the past, women were spinning the yarn for mm. the clothes. Mm-hmm. Everything They were darning the socks. Yes. They were canning the food because that's what you had to eat in the winter. Yes. So many of our jobs have been divorced from need. Mm. Like there is a need to put clothes on bodies, but we can buy the food. We can buy the clothes. Yeah. So it could be less meaningful. The work mm. we do could feel less ne- necessary and meaningful. Mm-hmm. So then that is the question. Where do you go with your talents? Where do you go with your desires? Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the solution she offers is seeing them in homemaking as this profession, this really big, beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, and also recognizing that for some people that is why they get a part-time job. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. then we got to do something with these desires and talents. <laughs> yeah, she does, she does uh, say that. You're right. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it was just a very good article, I thought. I just really enjoyed, um, I enjoyed what she said. I, I also thought this was really cute. She says, no homemaker have, has ever gotten excited about her progress in driving skills because of the increased hours spent shuttling children. No homemaker ever has gotten excited about how deftly she can sort whites from darks and how quickly she can get wet clothing into the dryer. That just was so cute and it made me laugh. But I, I do actually enjoy when, when you have ironed out or kind of um, smoothed out a process that maybe is mundane, but you've made it fun or you've Absolutely. made it easier. There's great satisfaction in that. Yeah. Oh, you are so right about that. Yeah. And efficiency. Because then you have taken something and you've improved it, meaning you've used your talents, you've used your brain. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's what it boils down to for me. We can, we have the freedom and permission to use our brains to do our best work in our homes. Yeah. Not just the bare minimum. That's true. The best. And when I was working anyway, that was it. It was the bare minimum. Mm. Do what you got to do, but then you got to get yourself back out the door. Mm. We, can, we can do our best work at home. We can, yeah. And that's how we're going to probably feel our best, too. Because yeah. if we create a sanctuary, that's our sanctuary, too. We're, yes. That's where we put our heads down at night, you know? Yes. Did you see how it says here the University of Virginia um, did a study, and they discovered that the happiest women are those um, who are home with their children, but who have some kind of work that they do part-time outside yes. of the home to go with what you were, uh, the point you just made. And that is pretty wild, that satisfaction comes from, really, from using our talents. Yeah. So if the work is too easy or too mundane or too menial, it's understandable why it might drive us bonkers. Yeah. That we want to do something more challenging. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that's okay. So we find... We, we can find it. Right. Even if it's in our own home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting. So ultimately, we just want to make sure we value motherhood and we need to encourage other mothers who are in this vocation, you know? Definitely. I loved at the, near the end, when she talks about, um, like, what is the benefit of it when we can take a step back and see. She said some beautiful things. She said... When we approach homemaking purposefully, we develop 
Hold on one second. <laughs> That's mom calling. It's my mommy. <laughs> I'll call her back. Oh, I love her no, so much. No, you can take it. You want to? I'll call her back in just a minute. Okay, okay. Um, but <laughs> she says when it's purposeful, there's de- we develop a generosity in ourselves and others. We can think about like our kids. Mm. Tackling life's big questions, you know, wherever or whatever. I'm imagining your kids ask you, Mommy, what does this mean? That can mm. come up wherever, whenever. Wherever, yes. It's so organic. Yes. You see, We see a world anew with wonder probably because we're our children are living it and we're living it through their eyes as well yeah and then we're tested in patience like we're in boot camp and mm. i loved this she's appreciating how hard it is <laughs> when you are true? trying to calm less of you keep yourself calm be mm. there for your family it mm-hmm. is hard man yeah, you're like right boot camp it is sometimes i just love that i love how she said to make a home is in a way the ultimate and most human practice in that it is a life spent developing not just a specific skill, but the very skill of being a human in full. And just let that sit there for a mm. second. <laughs> it's delicious. It is so big. Mm-hmm. It is. It and is. raising our kids, it's coupled to what we do with our homes. It's not only our homes, but it's raising and teaching the kids all the virtues. Like we yes, talked about all yes. these things, what it means to be human. And somebody invested that in us. Our very mothers yes. invested that in us. So. And would we think that that was a waste of their time? Absolutely not. We're so Never. grateful, right? I know. So grateful. I can't wait to thank my mom when I call her. I know. <laughs> the least we can do is return the favor Absolutely. to the next generation. And I love how she concludes the article by saying, um, most importantly, she's getting a PhD in love yeah. and that she is, is you know, the stay-at-home mother who's the homemaker, um, for which she had been an em- um, for which for her had been an empty abstract word without the dirty, messy, loud, itchy particularities mm-hmm. of this life in close quarters. And she is consoled and astounded time and again with the beauty, purpose, and enduring consequence of building lives through the universal language of home. Beautiful words from her. So, yeah. So I, I hope our listeners will check out Dr. Carrie Gress and all that she has curated on theologyofhome.com. So grateful to Lisa for her book and for connecting me uh, to Dr. Carrie Gress. So wonderful. It's a good topic. article. Yeah, I loved it. It was very uplifting. <laughs> um, are you ready for our holy homework, Rachel? I am. Let's do it. Okay, listeners, our challenge uh, for you and for ourselves, two things. Um, If you are not a mom, our challenge for you is to give a compliment to a mother that you know, and please include details. Tell them why they're such an amazing person. Just spread the love. (laughs) And if you are a mom, uh, here's your homework. I would like you to identify a problem area in your home. Start to come up with some solutions. Maybe draft a list of a couple solutions. And then as you try each of those solutions, think of how you're gonna measure success. Um, I just think that's such a great area because I, I feel like we can all list our problems so easily, these are our problems, but do we take the time to come up with some solutions and then how to measure them? That's a critical piece. Anyway, and here's a discussion question which we'll post in our group on Facebook called Fashioned by Faith. Um, do you think women are happiest at home if they are being a homemaker, or do you think differently? We want to hear your thoughts and opinions. (music) 
Thanks for listening to the Fashioned by Faith podcast. Uh, Soon we'll have a new merch line so that you can show your support of the pod, so updates to come on that. And please spread the word. Tell your friends to visit fashionedbyfaith.com and click on any link to listen through their favorite podcast platform. Rachel, this was so much fun. Yes, it was. (laughs) Um, And we'll see you on Wednesday for our next episode. And until then, stay true to the faith and keep growing in style.